play in the life of their children. And again, we know that you are a mother as long as you have breath in your lungs. Your mothers are the ones that think about you, pray for you, worry over you, get frustrated by you, and sometimes just want to wring your neck. Amen. Amen. But they never give up. They never give up. And it's an important truth for us to see as we look at this scripture reading and understand that mothers are the ones that share and teach so much to their children about God. Fathers have their place, and fathers are a great influence. But I saw it set back, and I think, I loved my mom and dad equally, but I miss my mom more than I miss my dad, and I don't even know why I love them equally, but there's something about your mom. The nurturing, the caring, the sharing, you know it's there, and there's very few people like that. For you younger high school kids or even middle school, the infants won't understand this, but there is nobody in this world that will ever love you like your mother. And I know even saying that can cause pain to some people because they did not have maybe a great mother that showed that kind of love and affection for them. But that is the great thing about God that Jabez brought up. God has the qualities of both the father and in some ways the motherly nature. We are told in the book of Luke when Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stone and kill the prophets, how I have longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. We see the side of God in this metaphor of this hen wanting to bring his children under his wing. And so I just can't say enough today about mothers. God bless you. It is not easy. I see it in my daughter's life. I saw it as my wife raised our kids. And I was there, but I'm the first to admit she did most of the hard work. Guys, I'm proud to say I came from a generation I only changed one diaper. (laughs) And maybe that's not something to be proud of, but uh, she just did it so good. (laughs) When our kids would be sick, who's the one that normally gets up? And who's the one that stays in bed and sleeps? Usually mom's up. Mom's there whether it's a cold rag on their forehead to try to bring the fever down, it's mom. Dad's care, but moms are always there. And so mothers, we truly want to recognize and honor you for all that you do because very seldom do you hear the words of affirmation, maybe even from your own children. But one of these days, once they get past 25, It starts to trickle in, and they realize how blessed they are for all that you've done. 
But it can be tough until that time. What I want us to do is to focus on a powerful truth at the life of our Savior in this story that comes out of Mark chapter 10, three verses, 13 through verse 16. And it's interesting because you see a side of Jesus that uh, most people don't think about very often. And Mark opens up in verse 13 by saying, People were bringing. Well, in the first century society and culture that Jesus lived in, mothers did raise the children. They were in the home. They nursed, they cared for, they taught, they were always there. And although it says people in the text, the fathers could have been there. But I'm just absolutely sure that it really is to focus on mothers bringing their children. Bringing their children to Jesus. The word here for children, little children, can mean toddlers, can mean infants. But what I wanted us to see, and you especially as moms, is people were bringing little children to Jesus. And that's my first point, simply to say to you, spend your lives, moms, bringing your child into the presence of Jesus Christ. I know how difficult that can be with all that you have to do. Many moms work. And then there's housework. And then there's soccer games. And there's swim lessons. And it just goes on and on until you have really no time for yourself. But it was seen that the mothers, the parents... The people of the first century that had a love for God and the things of God saw the importance of bringing their child or children into the presence of Jesus Christ. So spend your life bringing your child into the Lord's presence. And I want to share seven of what I like are really important ways for you to do that. And I hope that they will take root in your heart. I know that there's no perfect way to raise children, even as Christian parents. We fail and we do things that we look back and go, I wish I would have done that differently. But the essence of trying and to try consistently consistently is what is most important. What is the first way to bring your children into God's presence? I think it's probably one of the most important, and that simply is let your child see your sincere love for Jesus. You can tell your kids all kinds of things, but when it comes down to the Christian faith, if you don't have a sincere love for Jesus, they will see right through that. 
when it comes to parenting in the Christian faith, you cannot be that person that says, do what I say, not what I do. And that has to be that commitment in your heart that you truly, authentically, and genuinely find your joy and your happiness and your deep-rooted love in Jesus Christ. Because when they see it in you, what is important to you, whether kids will admit it or not, it is important to them. Kids may tell you throughout different stages of their lives, you know, I don't care what you think. They may be rude, they may be smart aleck, they may be hateful, they go through the entire gamut. But most kids really... In the depths of their being, want their moms and dads to be proud of them. And so use your life and the gift that God has given you in your child to humbly reveal to them, by the essence of your being, your sincere love. For Jesus, I think there's probably nothing more important than that. Because the Holy Spirit works through that. Second, bring your child to church consistently. The culture we live in is increasingly becoming less in this area of consistency and bringing their children into church. You see it everywhere. And there's a lot of reasons. Soccer's on Sunday. We've got games. We've got to travel. Everything starts to fill up and take the place of church. Now, we're all different ages and different cultures. I grew up in a culture that Wednesday night, you had church. And you had a class for middle school and high school. And there was soccer. Your kids were at church. Nowadays, not only has the world and sports and many other things taken the place of church on Wednesdays, It's taken the place of church and Sunday school on Sundays. And what we have to understand or come to terms with is the church was so important to God that through Jesus Christ, He allowed Him to die to provide atonement for our sins and to establish His church. And that's why we see through Scripture, don't give up meeting together as some people get into the habit of doing because it's a bad habit. Yes, Jesus saves you, but it is through His church that He encourages, that He convicts, that He directs, and that He teaches. The church is... So important, and I hope, mothers, that you will make church important in your children's life. There's one mother that sits here that uh, says to her children, who are a little bit older, 
She cooks Sunday dinner almost every Sunday. But in love, she tells them, if you're not at church, don't come for dinner. Got to do whatever it takes. No yeast rolls for you. Now that's tough love. But it is laying down a line that says, look, there needs to be things important in your life as a parent that you recognize the value of the church and that you want your kids to see the value of the church. May the Lord's church always take priority over anything else in your kids' lives. And may they see the joy and the passion that you have for His church so that it can be instilled in them through you. Now, we're not being legalistic. There may be times that you go to a soccer game, a basketball game, swim lessons, a birthday party, to the cabin, whatever it may be. But even adults get into the habit of the Lord's church And they're called by God to worship Him on the first day of the week and assemble as a congregation to take Lord's Supper and praise His name, begin to drift away. Sometimes people will make fun of those that only come on Easter or Christmas. Well, you don't want to make fun of anybody. They've come, right? But what is the reason that we only come on a holiday? It's because we don't value the church like the Lord does. The church is made up of people. And there is nothing more difficult in this life than people. But we've been purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, gather in my name, worship my Father, and make the church an important part in your life. Third, read your child Bible stories. While you bring your children to church and to Sunday schools and to other opportunities, You have to realize as a mother, as parents, there is nobody that can take your place and teach your child like you can because you love them more than anyone else. The church and people of the church, they they may care about and they may genuinely love that agape love for kids, but your child... It is your responsibility to instill in them the Word of God. And that's why in the Old Testament we see that emphasis on train up your child in the way they should go. Because the outcome most often is, and when they get old, they will not depart from it. Read your child Bible story. 
Four, train your child to pray regularly. Now, we all hopefully pray before a meal, and hopefully we pray at bedtime. But make sure that you're praying with your kids and let them lead the prayers. And I know sometimes those prayers of those little ones can be just funny as can be, but they're beginning their steps. You hold their hands, have them bow beside their bed. Teach them that humility, why you are bowing, why you are holding your hands, or why are you looking up, why are you raising your hands. Pray with your kids. Let your kids see you pray. Pray about all things. Lord, let us have a good day. Let school be great today. Lord, let us have a great weekend. Lord, thank you for this food. Lord, thank you for a good night's rest that I expect to have. Lord, be with me through the night. Pray with your kids. Number five, talk to your child about Jesus repeatedly. You know, sometimes we as parents, mothers, we just don't talk a lot about our faith. It's sort of a private thing to some people. But all we see in the Scripture when it comes to the apostles They talked about Jesus at every opportunity and on every occasion. How often, mom, mothers, are you talking to your children about Jesus? It's so funny. Now, we've gotten past this finally, and I thank the Lord for it because when it would happen, I would have those times that I just wanted to strangle my children. I'm serious. That holy indignation, like, Dad, please don't preach a sermon to me. Like, it's not a sermon, it's insight. (laughs) I know what you're going to say. Well, please don't mimic me. Let me say it. And no matter how tired your child might get of you saying, Are you talking to the Lord? Have you recognized what God's done in your life? Is this what God is showing you through this good situation? Is this what God is revealing to you in this bad situation? What is God doing? Make it all about the Lord. Because the world offers none of that. And you and I know that the rock we stand on is important. And if that rock is Jesus We can stand strong and so will they. One of these days, you're going to be gone. In the normal course of life, mom, you're gone. Dad, you're gone. And you want to position your child the best that you can to rely on God, trust Jesus, look to the Holy Spirit so that They will maintain the faith that you've instilled. Talk repeatedly about Jesus. It was so funny. The other months ago, I guess, 
our three-year-old grandson was arguing with my wife. And she was trying to tell him that, you know, Jesus lives in her heart. And he's like, no. No, he don't. He's, he's down by the water. And we're like, no, he, he's in your heart. And that just wasn't, no, he's by the water. And he ends up, and he goes and gets his little child's Bible that Ashley and Jonathan have for him. And he turns it, and Jesus is beside the Sea of Galilee. He's by the water. He's there, too. But he's in our heart, too, okay? Nope, he's not in our heart. So it's, you know, it takes time. I've noticed through the years that although Dad don't preach another sermon, that ultimately all those admonitions that I knew they knew, but I was going to remind them and remind them and remind them. I know they appreciate it. And I know they took it to heart. And all the glory goes to God. But I've got two children that love the Lord. And I wouldn't trade that for anything the world could give me. Two children that will defend the faith and that stand on the gospel. And that's why as we opened up in these songs, these oldies but goodies, that remind us that we will fly away from this life and tragedy will strike in the lives of most all of us. But in the end, we will have victory in Jesus Christ. And while others in this world are standing on the sand and being devastated, we will stand unshaken by the power of Jesus Christ. Give that to your kids. Teach your children to love God more than they love you. Ask them often, who do you love the most? That was like our main priority. Who do you love? I love you. No, you love God the most. And you can still ask them to this day. And I hope... When we ask their grandkids and their grandkids that they will carry on. Number six, teach your children to be humble. Someone says, you can't teach humility. Yes, you can. Now, we all can be prideful. And we all can be arrogant. And we all can be self-centered. But teach your child that Jesus is enough. And that Jesus was humble. And that Jesus was there for everybody. And he put others before himself. And, and it's a process of learning. And some people may have more of the gift of humility why others don't. But it's important to be like Jesus. You know, our mission statement is... Loving and living like Jesus. Jesus was humble. Humbled himself on the cross. Teach your children to be humble. Someone says they won't survive in this world. Good. They'll survive in God's world. Teach your children to be humble. A humble child will be dependent on the Lord. A humble child will be a child that will offer forgiveness. A humble child is a child that can say, I made a mistake. 
I was wrong. Forgive me. A humble child is one that can throw his hands up and say, it doesn't matter who was right or wrong. What matters is that we humble ourselves before the Lord so He can lift us up. Because without humility, the Lord will not exalt your child. I want my children lifted high before the Lord. Teach your children to be humble. It is okay to not wear all the fashion designer clothing. I grew up with a dad that knew this lesson and taught it too well. I was wearing something you probably, most of you, have not heard of back when it was even out of style, but my dad wouldn't let it go. Brule cream. Brule cream, leathered back, slicked back, straight-legged jeans. When dad bell-bottoms and elephant ears, that's the style. I look like a dork. My dad believed that one of his biggest things to take pride in was putting patch after patch on his jeans because it showed that he didn't waste anything. Well, Dad, that's okay for you, but I can't go to school in these patched up jeans. Oh, yes, you can, and you did, and you will. In music class, I wanted to play an instrument. I wanted the trumpet. But we got the $10 trombone that looked like it was played back at the Gettysburg Address. It had more dents in it and banged up, and I don't want the trombone, and this is embarrassing. Can't we rent one? No. This is what you got. Play it. I really want a suit for my eighth grade graduation. Well, you've got a pony. Do you want it bad enough to sell your pony? Sold my pony. That suit passed down from me to my brother Lonnie through my brother David. Your kids can learn that they don't need the best of everything. Because when you get the best of everything all the time, it sets an expectation. And as parents, we really do want the best of everything for our kids. And I get that. But there is some lessons to be learned in not having the best things. Teach your child the best you can, humility. And then number seven, D said, I don't know if I'd show that one. And I thought, well, what we did, and then the Lord bless it, I believe, play church with your children. What I mean by that, it's at different stages in their young life. But, you know, kids often wonder, like, what is that communion stuff that's being passed around? So we'll get a plate and we'll get some grape juice and we'll get some crackers. And we sit and we have prayers. We pray for the cracker. It's the body of Jesus Christ who, who gave his life for you on the cross. And this is his blood that was shed. And, you know, you've got to pick the appropriate age. And then you let them pray. I'm teaching my grandkids to preach, you know. We sit up and build little pulpits. And uh, it's like, okay, listen, this is the number one rule you learn in preaching school. If it's a weak point, pound the pulpit. And so just pound it. But you're, you're doing, you know, we have 
we had mock baptisms at a certain age. This is what baptism means. And this is what it's like. And one of these days, you're going to do this for real when you decide. And if you're having one of those bad days where they're being a little hateful to you, you can hold them down a little bit longer under that mock baptism. Hey! When you're outside with your kids, let it be like church, Sunday school. Who made the blue skies? God did. Who made the grass? That beautiful green grass, God made it. Who made that bird, that beautiful songbird? God made it. Who made you? Who made me? Who made everything? God made it. This past weekend, Eli said, did God make the bad stuff? Surprised me. No, God didn't make the bad stuff. Everything God made was good. The bad stuff comes from people that don't listen to God. You may think, how is odd? How do I play church with my, my, my kids? Teach them the Lord's Supper. Show them baptism. Talk to them about God. Let them pray. Let them preach a sermon. You know, preach what God has done for us, what God has made. It just, and so over time, their whole life is walking in the Lord. And then they're transitioned in to Justin's middle school class. And then his high school class. And the teachings get deeper, but, but they're rooted in faith. And, and you've given them, along with Sunday school teachers who've poured their lives into your kids, you've given them some roots to have in faith. Because make no mistake, this world is coming for your kids. If they can shatter your children's faith, they will, because that is the role and that is the goal of Satan. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We know that. And if they don't have a firm foundation in the Lord, they will be destroyed. The text in verse 13 continues, The people were bringing little children to Jesus for Him to place His hands on them. And this, I just wanted to briefly say that the parents, they saw the value of the personal touch of Jesus Christ in their life. And this goes along with being in the presence of Jesus. But it's even more so that personal touch. Wouldn't it be wonderful to take these little babies that we're going to dedicate today and let Jesus hold them in his lap. Let Jesus hug them. Let Jesus kiss them on the forehead. Let him place his hand on their head and offer a prayer to his Father for them. Well, we are, the church, blood-bought are the arms and the feet of Jesus Christ in this world. So we want to teach and see the value in the favor of God, his blessing being on our children, and that's what you should desire. Number three, as we look at the end, but the disciples rebuked them. And here's something that's really important. The disciples, 
the hand-picked followers that would become the apostles rebuked the parents, the mothers, the fathers, bringing these little children for a blessing from Jesus. They rebuked them. Prepare your child for the obstacles they will encounter. It's up to you to make sure they're ready to face this world. And so I want to share seven ways that uh, will be obstacles of faith that you need to remember. The first one is Satan. Listen to what Paul says. For we wanted to come to you, the church in Thessalonica. Certainly I, Paul, did. I wanted to come to you again and again. That was his heart's desire. But Satan blocked our way. Now this is the spiritual arena of warfare and battle. And God allowed this for whatever purpose. But Paul, the great apostle, wanted to come to the people, the Christian brothers and sisters in Thessalonica. But Paul writes, Satan blocked us. And that's why I said earlier, Satan wants to rob, he wants to kill, he wants to destroy faith. And that's why when we hear the parable of the seed that is scattered, the seed that fell on the path, The birds come and carry it away. And Jesus specifies as he defines what that means. That Satan is the one who steals the word out of the person's heart. So teach your children that Satan is a real being. A being that has been cast out of heaven. A being that is deceitful. A being that is a liar. A being that masquerades as a sheep, but he is a wolf. Teach your kids this spiritual truth because Satan will come after them. Number two, religious and worldly people. Can you believe that? It's easy enough to understand that worldly people could be obstacles to your children's faith. But religious people, absolutely. That's why we read here, 1 John 4, 1, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Believe what? Things they're saying, things they're doing. But test, test against what? The word of God. Test those spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Mom's just trying to bring their children to Jesus and the disciples. They think that Jesus doesn't have time. This is not important. Whatever the reason, reasoning rationale was... And they're indignant and they say, stop it. Religious people can be an obstacle to your child's faith. And you've got to tell your children, look, there's well-meaning people. And then there's shallow, immature Christians that will do the wrong things and say the wrong things and That's the way it is, because you're going to be one of them. You'll do it too. There'll be an obstacle if you allow it. There'll be a barrier. But your focus is on the Lord, being in His presence, drawing close for His hand of favor and blessing. Don't let anything or anyone detract you from that. That is your God birthright. He wants you in His life. 
And so listen, test what people are saying, test it against the Word of God, and you do that because you love the Word of God. In 1 Thessalonians, later we hear Paul say, many will fall away, and the reason they fall away is because they refused to love the truth. So you've got to be very discerning. You've got to teach your children, you know, just don't take it at face value. But, but listen carefully. And then one example. When you turn on the TV, Sunday after Sunday, for 30 years of your own ministry, and not all, but 95% of the sermons that's going out across the airwaves are, let me wipe the sweat of my brow with this handkerchief, and I'll send it to you if you'll send me a love offering. And this will be your healing handkerchief. That's absurd. Or sow your seed of a thousand dollars and the blessing from God will come into your life tenfold. Sorry, you're not a prophet and you don't speak for God like that. You're speaking in place of God. It's wrong. Or someone who has coined themselves an apostle. I am an apostle. You've got to listen to what I say. Or I can heal you. It's not biblical the way it's being presented. It's of man. It's for the gain of man. And your kids can get caught up in that. Unless they have a firm foundation... Through the years, they've walked with the Lord. They know the scripts. They have some understanding. Religious and worldly people can be obstacles to your children's faith. Teach them that. Number three, ignorance. Simply what I've said, a lack of knowledge of scripture. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the word, and the word is heard through the message of Christ. Where's your Bibles? I know the phone. That's a nice Bible. And it's the culture we're in. And it's good. But I'm of the old guard that you better have a handheld Bible. And hopefully it's not tucked away somewhere that it's never out. Hopefully it's somewhere that you're looking at it every day because that's who you are and your kids are seeing it. An obstacle to your child's faith is them not knowing the Scriptures. Paul, in his charge to Timothy, talks about Timothy's grandmother and mother and how they have imparted the Scriptures to him since his infancy. So in all of our jobs and all of our hobbies, and all of our pastimes, and all of the busy things that we do, which really are in many ways very worldly, and okay to be a part of to some degree. Don't let those things trump your knowledge of Scripture and your sharing your truth of Scripture and love for it with your children. 
get in the Word of God on a regular basis. Number four, just worldliness and spiritual blindness. Jesus says, do not, or John says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world appears, appeals to your fleshly appetite. Isn't he handsome? Isn't she beautiful? Oh, va, va, voom. I'll be a complete person if they're in my life. I'll be well-rounded if she'll like me. My self-esteem will skyrocket. If that's true about you, I'm here to tell you, you have missed totally the role of Jesus Christ in your life. It is Jesus Christ and Him alone that completes you. Remember Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger? You complete me. Lord, help us. Nobody completes you except God, your Father, who created you, who knits you together in the secret place in your mother's womb. He completes you. Without Him, you're not whole. Without Him, you're incomplete. But with Him, being a complete person, you have a complete person to offer in this world to someone else that is hopefully complete in Christ as well. And then two people can become one. You see it in our high school kids. They want to feel loved and valued and cherished. And they're going down all the wrong roads to achieve that. And they only hurt themselves more in the end and find disappointment. Moms, teach your children that they're complete in Jesus Christ so that they're not spiritually blind and focused on this world. Number five, distance and lack of closeness. Submit yourselves then to God. That is to surrender to God. Teacher, surrender. It's His will, not our will. What Jesus said, Lord, take this cup from me, but not my will, yours. Teach that in life. There are things that God is going to ask you to do And ask your children to do that they're not going to want to do. But to surrender and submit to God, they do it. And the result is the devil flees when you resist your surrender and submission to God. Come near to God and he will come near to you. We want that closeness with our children. Number six, arrogance, lack of humility. I talked about that earlier on. But God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So I'd say one more thing, and we adults hopefully have learned this. There are times you have every right to speak back and to say what you want to say. Some of my runs that I go on, that's where I vent and tell God what I really want to... This is how I would say it, Lord. What do you think about saying it this way? I could really give it to him this way. What do you think? And I vent. Like you vent, you get it out. But ultimately, when it comes down to actual interaction with individuals, 
people that's let you down, people that's hurt you, people that's failed you, people that's disappointed you. And it may be all your fault and it may be all their fault, but it doesn't matter anymore and you have to interact. Humility. Because you know that if you humble yourself before the Lord, He will lift you up. But if you don't, God's going to teach you a lesson. He's going to discipline you. He's going to oppose you because he loves you that much. And I'd rather not have to have that kind of lesson from the Lord. And number seven, and I'll just be brief on this. Higher education, the system. Be really careful where you send your kids to college. Even some of the children with the strongest faith, they go off into these religious and uh, educational institutes where everything in the world is being taught. It's being taught in many, many, many of our educational universities that, you know, it's, it's stupid to believe in God. That's a fairy tale. That there's no such thing as, as gender. You can be what you want to be. And it just goes on and on. And the Word of God, that's like Aesop's fables. It's, it's pretend. It's not real. You know, you need to move away from the Scripture. You're ridiculous. It's a, it's a crutch. There are many institutes of higher education that will challenge your children. And, and it can be challenging to some of the most faithful. So ground them. There's many Christian universities, at least that's in the title, that teach the same secular teaching as the world. So be careful where you send your children to college. So those are obstacles to faith. Now for me and Danielle, that was basically the way we tried to raise our kids. And God blessed us. And there was nothing more important to us, genuinely, than their salvation. And I mean nothing. And so, as mothers and fathers and parents, we have to decide what is most important. And then pour that into our children. So at this time... Uh, I'm going to move through and we're going to have our baby dedication. And the first up, I'm going to call him up and have him come up, is Madeline Marie Anderson, born April 3rd of 2018. To Mike and Stephanie. What a cutie. Give him a round. Oh, Stephanie, here's the Bible. Next. is Stella Isabella Moody, parent Kyle and Dominique Berg. And she's a cutie too. Let's give them a warm welcome. Here you go. You guys just come across. Henry David Stevenson. October 23rd, 2018, Zach and Jeanette. What a cute little boy. 
I did their wedding. Here's another sweetheart. Hudson, Ryan, Card, parents Ryan and Heather. Shaylin Van Antwerp, Patrick and Aubrey Van Antwerp. Congratulations. And if you don't think parenting can be difficult, Facebook friend Aubrey. Some <laughs> and one that we're really excited as well, little Breslin Joy Channing, just born recently, May 1st, to Ben and Carmen Channing. always tell Carmen I knew her before Ben when she was at Target before school teacher now her master's degree in school I mean just each and every one of you just the unique relationship these Bibles are children's Bibles the prints so little you know after they turn five they'd never be able to read it but it's really a gift from this church family to say Make the Word of God important in our lives. Nothing comes before the Word of God. And just pour that Word into them with everything that you are. Uh, this church family, while imperfect, is doing everything we can through children's programs to make sure that they're in an environment that's safe, an environment where they're loved, an environment where they're cared for, and an environment where they come to know the Lord. And so that's what we want to give your children. That's what we're committed to, just to come alongside you and help you in this. Oh, what, what a tiny little thing. <laughs> so with this, I'm going to call the elders of the church up, and we're going to have an elder's prayer over the 